and welcome back to Stonework, a Bible podcast from the Three Chopped Church here in Richmond, Virginia. I'm your host, Reverend Christopher Tweel, pastor and head of staff here at the church. And I'm Joan Pye, director of music ministries. Through the season of Lent and Holy Week, we will be listening to music, praying, and contemplating as the season, the spirit, and the music guide us as we prepare for Easter. Each week, we will have a different congregant or friend of the church bringing their special music to us as a gift in this season. As we continue in this Lenten series, we'll be working with the Lenten practices of prayer, meditation, fasting, and giving. Lent is an incredible time for us to sit and prepare ourselves for the joy of Easter, and this year things are a little bit different. If you are new to the podcast or want to know more about the church, you can find us at threechoppedchurch.org. Twyla Paris's How Beautiful is one of the all-time favorite pieces for Monday Thursday, and I think we are very blessed to have Steve Coleman's recording from the days when he was still playing the guitar. I have already listened to this recording countless times, yet every time I listen to it, the dance between Steve's voice and guitar makes ripples in my heart. How Beautiful was written in 1990 and copyrighted by Arioso Music and Mountain Spring Music. The hands that served The wine and the bread And the sons of the earth How beautiful The feet that walked The long dusty roads And the hill to the cross How beautiful How beautiful How beautiful Is the body of Christ How beautiful The heart that bled and took all my sin and bore it instead how beautiful the tender eyes that choose to forgive and never despise how beautiful how how beautiful is the body of Christ. 
And as he laid down his life, we offer this sacrifice that we will live just as he died, willing to pay the price. Willing to pay the price. How beautiful the radiant bride who waits for her groom with his light in her eyes. How beautiful when humble hearts give the fruit of pure lives so that others may live. How beautiful. How beautiful. How beautiful is the body of Christ. How beautiful the feet that bring the sound of good news and the love of the King. How beautiful the hands that serve the wine and the bread and the sons of the earth. How beautiful. How beautiful. How beautiful. Is the body of Christ. How beautiful. <laughs> how beautiful are the hands that have served how beautiful the body of christ thank you uh thank you steve coleman for vocal and guitar uh on this song this week um how beautiful by twyla paris of course twyla is someone uh we've we've probably known for for a while if you're if you're into um Christian contemporary music or uh have been into it for a while uh she was active in the 80s and and um has had a lot of albums i think all the way up i think her last album was 2014 2015 somewhere around in there but a uh, little known fact you may not you may not realize she was actually in an album in 1965 called little twyla paris it was a <laughs> collection of songs that she sang with her family uh for their uh, evangelism uh, that, that they were a part of in their church uh, growing up. So neat, neat life story 
for her and and what a what a great song what a perfect song we have for today of course this is being released on monday thursday and um we traditionally celebrate in the uh, Christian church, uh, Monday, Thursday, the strange lettering and strange spelling <laughs> and uh, is, is a, a special Thursday that we take to reassess, to relive, to reintegrate um, ourselves into the uh, uh, service of the Lord's Supper. Uh, the Last Supper, often as it's called, with Jesus and his followers, with the bread and the wine. Um, we take special note of it in the week of Holy Week as we head into Good Friday and Easter Sunday. It's a wonderful place to also recognize that that on on this day or on the day of the the last supper as jesus celebrated with his friends he also was doing uh the the washing of their feet as well ahead of this supper and so if you take if you take what we did last week uh with making our our hearts and our hands clean uh we can then look to this song we've made a, a little bit of a narrative arc here <laughs> going into monday thursday how beautiful are the hands that serve the wine and bread and the sons of earth. This is a, um, it's a great song. We've got a lot of imagery to unpack here in this. The, the first one being these beautiful feet and the word beautiful repeated over and over and over and throughout the whole song. And so in, in terms of beautiful feet, you, you, may, you may remember, I'm, I haven't gone back and checked uh, every single sermon, but <laughs> I remember we've talked about this passage before. We've talked about this passage, the beautiful feet uh, that bring good news. We've talked about this passage before. It comes from Isaiah. It's in chapter 52. Uh, the whole line is how, um, how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, your God reigns. Uh, so lovely, lovely verse there. And of course, we, we see that uh, as Christians, uh, that the Hebrew people saw it in a slightly different way. Um, but we see that as Christians as alluding to the Messiah, uh, the one who brings good news. And also alluding to, of course, you know, anyone who is bringing the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ to others. But in terms of Jesus, uh, who else is proclaiming peace? Who's br bringing good tidings? Who's proclaiming salvation? Who is saying with his very life that God reigns eternal? Um, so we have all of that imagery locked up in the Isaiah passage as well. It's interesting we have the sense, like we said, uh, the word beautiful repeated over and over in the song, the sense of beauty. We all know what beauty is. We have an idea of what is beautiful. Um, our, our children, our parents, our family, we might, we might look at them with an, an eye of beauty as sunsets, sunrises, certainly mountains, rivers, all these kinds of natural beauty places uh, that there are in the world or, or, uh, 
flowers in our garden, all of those kinds of things. But it carries with it for the ancient people something uh, slightly different, uh, kind of a more expanded understanding of the word that gets translated as beautiful in our English translations. Um, for the Hebrew people in the Hebrew language, it carried with it um, also an idea of something that was in the full time of its blooming or even mature development. Well, let's think of trees as our uh, gateway to understanding what, what that actually means. Something that's in the full time of blooming. Well, if you have a, if you have a decorative tree in the yard or uh, somewhere in your neighborhood or have seen uh, a plum or a pear or a cherry tree here in the spring, then you may, you may know that there are some different periods to that blooming. There's the, there's the early blooming, the buds that are just coming out, the first few blooms that are there, and then the full bloom, the, the time when everything is open and there is um, an activity around it, bees and all kinds of things are happening. There's a fragrance that comes with it. Uh, maybe. Um, so this is the full bloom. This is uh, a beautiful thing to the ancient mind. Then also mature development. Think of that same tree, if it's a, a fruiting tree, uh, that would then be heavy with fruit later. Mature development, the, the, the right time. Seeing something full of fruit, that is also beautiful. Think of um, something, you know, a plum tree full of plums or olive trees in the ancient world full of olives. Those are also beautiful things. And we might be able to see also there's there's kind of a third understanding that, that's in this word beautiful, but kind of a an understanding of vigor, of life being in this thing that is beautiful. And we can see that maybe in the blossoms, also in the full time of blossoms, that there are bees and all the things. There, there's a there's a feeling of life in that in that full time of blossom thing. Um, there's also, of course, life in the mature development. If something the tree is heavy with olives, well, there's there's life in those olives too. What it means for the for the community, for the family to uh, harvest those to have wine or not wine I'm sorry <laughs> olive oil um, and uh, and eating olives you know there's there's life there too um, even in the Song of Solomon if we think about well where where in the Bible does it really talk about beauty well Song of Solomon the love love poetry of the Song of Solomon talks a lot about beauty and there is a comparison there where beauty is in the swiftness of gazelles which is a, there's a vigorous nature to the gazelles or the young stags uh, in, in chapter eight, there's a reference to young stags. So there's, there's life and vigor there as well. So this, this is what uh, is meant when we're talking about beauty for the ancient world, or when we're talking about beauty in that line from Isaiah 52, um, the feet are beautiful, not only, not only just because they're bringing good news, but because they, the feet themselves are full of life. They are in the fullness of what they're meant to be. They are heavy with uh, the fruit of good news, you see. So there's, there's all three of those things appear in that, in that verse from Isaiah. And I wonder as we listen to this song, um, if, we can, if we can pull some of that into this song as well. So when we look at the hands that are serving the wine, the bread, um, feet that walked along the, the road to the cross, 
if we can see a fullness of purpose, uh, a completeness, a heaviness with good news, a, a life, a life that is in those hands um, as, a, as that form of beauty. So the hands are, are bringing us bread and, and wine. They are bringing us the fullness of this meal, this meal that is the meal of God's grace, this meal that is the meal of our salvation, this meal of wine and bread. Of course, this is, um, when we're talking about the, the Last Supper, we're talking about a Seder meal, something that Jesus and his followers had celebrated uh, before. Uh, this is an annual festival um, for the Jewish people, celebrating their uh, freedom from the oppression of the Egyptian empire. And Jesus lends new, uh, a, a totally new perspective on this and a totally new meaning. He overlays this new meaning. It, it was originally had a meaning of trusting in God and of freedom, and it still has that, but now it is overlaid also with uh, a meaning of complete and utter grace and also uh, of complete and and utter life. So not only uh, not only freedom from an oppressor here on earth, but a freedom from death and and a new a new kind of living that is eternal that, that comes with that. So kind of amazing. So, so these hands, these beautiful hands are, are not only beautiful because of, because of what the meal means, but also because they themselves are fulfilling their, their utter purpose. They are in the full blossoming uh, of, of their, their life here on earth. They are heavy with the fruit of good news. They are uh, infused with vigor and life as they are bringing life to us in the Last Supper. So amazing, amazing song. What a wonderful way to start out uh, this, this, first, this first stanza of the poetry of this song. We have uh, a few other pieces too. Uh, the Beautiful Body of Christ, I'll get to that a little bit later. Um, but before we, we got there, I also wanted to talk a little bit about, um, Twyla talks about the bride um, and the groom. And on the surface, maybe this brings to mind a lovely memory that we have of a wedding. <laughs> maybe our own wedding, maybe a, a child's wedding, or maybe a, a parent's wedding, or family or friend, you know, some, someone's, someone's wedding that we've attended. Maybe this brings up those images, and we say, oh, yes, that is, that is beautiful. Um, but of course, also, this is, this is, uh, Twyla connecting this with imagery of the bridegroom and from the Bible, which is something that um, we have in Ephesians, we have in Corinthians, um, and we have also in Revelation. I'll get to that in just a minute, but this is a, an image that Paul has in a few of his letters. Um, he talks about the church being Jesus's chosen bride. So Jesus, of course, Jesus Christ is the, the bridegroom and the church is uh, Christ's bride. Now, this is sometimes 
I don't want to say misunderstood, but but maybe only lightly understood, surface level understanding <laughs> of being able to see that this is uh, Paul's talking about how the church is uh, welded to God, that we're in union with with God, that we're in union with Christ, that um, we're we're meant to be with Christ, that there's a relationship there, that there's a covenant there, that there's a promise made between these these two parties of Christ and the church. That that is all that is all true. The the underlying message, though, maybe the reason that Paul is using this metaphor, we have to kind of think what does you know he doesn't say the husband and the wife and that is important if if paul wanted to only focus on the covenant relationship held in marriage or or you know any any union that we have that that makes those promises those those uh, 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 mutual promises could have said husband and wife but he doesn't he said bride and bridegroom. Um, so this carries with it uh, an, under, an ancient understanding, an understanding that this wedding has not yet happened. It is an expectation. You know, when do we call um, the bride and the groom those names? Well, on the day of the wedding, but not necessarily the day after the wedding. You know, we, 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 we might, you know, just like in, in kind of the aftermath or the, the continued celebration. But, uh, you know, not very often do I uh, introduce my, my wife as my bride. <laughs> oh, this is my bride. Uh, you know, it, would, it, it, it might be sweet, <laughs> um, but it might also kind of, it would, it would perk our ears up. It would, perk, oh, that's, that's different. That's not the normal way we usually do that. Um, it might be sweet, but it's not, not the normal way. So uh, this is what Paul's saying. He's talking about this moment, not, uh, or yet before the, the wedding is actually taken place. And so that's important for us because the church then is in still in the betrothal period, right? So there are different responsibilities that the church has to the groom in the betrothal period before we can be united. So um, we, we have some things that we're to do, some ways that we're to live that are different. Um, and I, I talked so I said about uh, Revelation. Um, in Revelation 19, it talks about being um, happy and rejoicing and exulting. Um, for it says, the marriage of the Lamb has come, and the bride has made herself ready. So this is kind of the ending of that betrothal period. Uh, John of Patmos, in writing the book of Revelation, is taking um, uh, Paul's metaphor and and continuing it on to be okay. There is going to be a time when the eternal union of Christ and the church will be actualized, and we will we will enter into this new Jerusalem, the holy city, all these other all these other pieces. So there's a there's a sense there that as we look at this song, as we listen to this song, we're not only talking about you know this is beautiful, but we're also looking at the relationship that we have as an expectant people or as a 
you know, half expectant, half realized people. You know, there, there are, we go back and forth um, sometimes in our lives or in the life of our particular church or our congregation or the life of the national church. Um, we go back and forth uh, in, in, the, in that relationship. So that's, that's a, a, a great image, a really deep image <laughs> to, bring, to bring into this, into this song. The last, the last one I wanted to just kind of touch on a little bit here. We've we've got a little bit long with this, but the last image is is uh, about the body of Christ because there's so many good images here. We have, you know, we're thinking about Last Supper. We're thinking about the amazing uh, and eternal grace. We're thinking about the sacrifice of Christ on the cross. We're thinking about our salvation. All of these things are are welded into this song, and so when we when we have the repetition of these verses. Um, how beautiful is the body of Christ? We think, of course, immediately about the body, the, the physical body of Christ on the cross. We think of the body of Christ absent in the tomb and the glorious resurrection. But what else is the body of Christ? Again, we have an allusion to the church. The church is called the body of Christ, one body in Christ, Paul says in Romans. Um, Paul says again that we are one body in Corinthians. Um, he says again, we're one body, we are the body of Christ in Corinthians and Ephesians and in Hebrews and um, in Colossians. There's so many places that Paul labels us as the body of Christ. With, or, or is the, uh, the, the church is the body with Christ as the head. So when we, when we hear this song, when we sing this song, we're, we're not only talking about the physical amazing fullness uh, and, and life-giving nature of the, the physical body of Christ, but we're also, we're also talking about how when we take in the wine and the bread, we are becoming, we are becoming this beautiful, 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 says it three times in every, in every line, uh, body of Christ. That's who we are. That's who we are as the church. That's who we are as participants in God's love. That's who we are as members of the body with Jesus Christ as our head. And that is that is, for this day or any day, that is a truly beautiful song. Thank you again, Steve, for, for sharing that with us today. We are drawing to a close in our, our, our period of fasting, and I hope that this has been a, a good practice for you so far. I hope that um, these little maybe weekly reminders or so have, have given some new space to some of the practices of uh, fasting for us, um, and I hope that you've found some things that maybe need to be held off on or allowed to rest or um, uh, seen uh, some shifting in the space that we're able to make for, for God or for Christ from, from day to day, from week to week. Our prayer is going to be a prayer for the body of Christ. So let's join together in a moment of prayer today. Holy God, we thank you for your tender mercies and amazing loving kindness. You have called 
the body of Christ, to be led by your Son, Jesus Christ. You have called us from around the world to be united as this body, diverse in our many, many pathways of our many, many different um, things that we do, <laughs> our many different ways that we have of doing them, the hands and the feet, the elbows and the ears. But we are all united as one body in you, God. Thank you for increasing your presence and your power throughout the world. You are great and do incredible and wonderful things. Your son, Jesus Christ, has come with beautiful feet and proclaimed to us that you are God. We ask that you send the Holy Spirit to continue to help us in the world, to remove obstacles from us that, that hinder the peace and the loving relationships between us as individuals, between us in our churches, between us as churches together, as worshiping congregations together, God. Show us each and every day how we can continue to be one. We pray this in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this week for our giving focus, we've got this week and, and one more week, and we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna put four things in here. <laughs> uh, we'll have two this week and two next week. For for this week, one of our focuses is is somebody that uh, folks at Three Chop Presbyterian Church are gonna know really well. Um, it's our 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 mission coworker, uh, Cindy Corell, uh, who has been in Haiti since 2013. Um, she's based out of, out of Port-au-Prince in Haiti, and um, she has been, has been down there, I said, as we said, for, for many, many years. And she's been at the church, and she's been at the presbytery, and, and she comes back and forth and makes a lot of announcements, and she's preached before. And, and if you haven't gotten, if you haven't gotten uh, a chance to, to hear her or listen to her, um, I hope I hope you can I hope you can do so, and um, if if you want to read all about her, she is on uh, the Presbytery uh, the Presbyterian Mission Agency website, which is um, is presbyterianmission.org. It's a little bit buried in there. Um, you can also just do a, a search um, for Presbyterian Mission, uh, and then her name Cindy Carell, which is C. O R E L L. Um, but there's some, I, I could give you the whole address to, <laughs> in the website, but there's some front slashes and, and a couple other things and some dashes, and stuff. but uh, maybe easier just to, to find it that way. But she's, she's incredible. She's been working down there for a long time. Um, I love that she quotes one of her favorite Bible passages is Philippians 4 8, which is the you know, refresher. It says, Finally, beloved, whatever's true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure. Whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, there is any excellence. If there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What an what an incredible verse for uh, uh, a mission coworker to keep 
in front of her all the time. Um, if you've never been to Haiti, I've had the I've had the pleasure and the privilege of, of being down there uh, post earthquake. But there are there are lots of instances. There are lots of ways that you could become completely overwhelmed and completely. Um, I guess depressed at the outlook uh, of the country, you could you could see how how enormous an effect the earthquakes had on the livelihood of people. You can see firsthand how the um, influence of um, well-meaning Western powers have actually harmed that place. Um, one of the things we saw when we were down there was that there were. You know, they, they ate a lot of beans and rice. Beans and rice is a, a big part of the staple diet there and uh, delicious. And and um, the thing we saw was that no one was growing rice. We asked someone, well, why is that? They said, well, since the earthquakes, um, so many countries gave rice, donated rice, that it became completely uh, unprofitable for farmers there to continue to grow rice. And so they all converted into bananas. What that means is that no one is uh, providing for the actual um, food and welfare of their own country, however. And what does that mean when the donations uh, have finally ended? What does that mean for their own uh, dependency? You know, there's just a lot of, of far-reaching effects that come out of some very well-meaning donations. So, um, but, but as I was saying, there's, there's, a, there's a lot of ways to get kind of bogged down and all that. However, there are a lot of, you know, supremely incredible points to be uh, very optimistic and very hopeful and very in awe of what the, the, the people there are doing um, uh, for themselves and, and with, the, with the help of others like Cindy. There are some awesome and wonderful, incredible stories. Um, when we were there, we were with a, an agency um, that was run locally, run by all local folks. And uh, they were uh, committed to reforesting um, huge areas of Haiti. Um, and if, if you look at it from the air, if you look at a satellite image, you can see the deforestation and then the, the uh, mudslides that that leads to. And so the instability that that leads to that, that have happened. And so this group is just having great success in completely reforesting places and they're reforesting in such a way that the forest itself becomes a, a, a food basket basically you know they've got understory trees they've got fruit trees they've got um uh new processes for for you know firewood and and uh, uh minimizing the consumption of, of hardwoods and things like that so there's so much there's so much going on in haiti so got a, a huge a huge uh, blessing of the Lord to to Cindy uh, and her work down there. Uh, the other thing I wanted to just briefly mention in in this giving highlight was um, just to kind of piggyback on something completely different. <laughs> um, if you've never heard of the Visual Arts Center of Richmond, this is a really a really lovely uh, nonprofit. It's over on Fenton Street there in, in here in Richmond, and um, it is committed to engaging the community in the visual arts. They have studio classes for for youth and adults. They they have all kinds of they have all kinds of um, free art classes that are there for students after school. Um, 
well, we just can't we just can't deny the power and the effect that art has in people's lives, and um, it's often something that is is uh, devastatingly overlooked and certainly not not well funded by our our public schools at, at this point, as things have had to uh, have been given up um, in order to kind of make sure that we're doing well with the the, the, the more basic. Uh, pieces. A lot of a lot of fabulous, incredible art teachers absolutely are still there in the school systems, um, but it, the programs are not as robust as they once were. And so, um, places like this, the Visual Arts Center of Richmond, are really doing uh, a wonderful, wonderful job. And you can find them um, uh, at um, the Visual Arts Center of Richmond. It's uh, Viz Arts, V I S A R T S dot o r g. Um, and you check them out, see what they're doing. Um, maybe take a class, uh, maybe see if uh, you have artistic talent that you can help out or volunteer or, or uh, if you're led uh, to make a donation to, to them or certainly uh, to Cindy uh, as well. So uh, very, very excited to bring, bring these two uh, pieces to us in our, our Lenten practice of uh, giving and of, of seeing what's, what's out there and ready for us in our city. What a joy it is to spend this time together participating in music and meditation. If you would please subscribe, rate us, and review us, it'll help others find this podcast. If you have questions about who we are or want to know more about our church family, please visit us online at threechoppedchurch.org or worship with us online through our YouTube page every Sunday. Links are in the description. A huge thank you to Dr. Joan and to all of our musicians, also to our volunteers and church staff who make this podcast possible. And until next time, May you be blessed and be a blessing wherever you are.